Hi everyone, it's Charles here from the GHFC and today I'm going to be sharing with you the ninth story in our series of ten, uh, each one representing the career paths taken by my fellow students who had completed their initial tertiary qualifications in quarry engineering way back in the early 1980s. It's important that I point out that these reflections simply serve as a point of reference for everyone, not just those in the engineering sector, so as to fully appreciate that although you may embark on a set career path in your late teens or early 20s, it does not have to be life-divining. What is most important is the ability to take stock of where you're at, ask yourself, are you being fulfilled, then make the necessary adjustments to suit. Well, that's exactly what these 10 people did. And, and as you're here, life has worked out pretty well for them all. Now, around previously, we've heard from Andrew in Devon, Andy in Northumberland, Bernie in North Wales, Charlie from Berkshire, Chris from Cornwall, Ian in Yorkshire, Malcolm from Scotland, and Paul from Birmingham. Now, where have I heard that city mentioned relentlessly recently? Anyway, today we're going to hear from Rod. He's originally from Surrey, although whenever I hear him speak, I detect an underlying Scottish burr. As such, for narration purposes, you can imagine he sounds similar to Andy Murray of Wimbledon fame. If you had lined us all up before the start of the course, I was probably the least likely to still be involved in quarries 40 years on. Unworldly, naive and innocent, with no previous experience, no links with the industry and basically no inclination to. I was about to have my eyes well and truly opened. High Melton was a baptism into the big wide world in so many ways. Living away from home, the fairer sex, alcohol, and mixing with a broad range of fellow students who would become friends to rely on uh, through those college years and beyond. Now, a mixture of antics with my mates, um, stories from the old quarry hands, and generally getting stuck in during my placement periods in quarries got me well and truly hooked with the quarry industry. So much so that at the end of the three years at Doncaster and being placed out as a site engineer on an open, open cast coal mining site, I requested to be transferred into a quarry as that is what I had trained in and felt that that was where my future lay, despite open cast mining being more financially rewarding. So perhaps not the best of decisions, but I was following my dream of running my own quarry. Anyway, my request was rewarded by being placed into the recently acquired Robert Hobbs Group, later becoming Wimpy Hobbs, where I completed a comprehensive training program including all aspects of not only quarrying but associated activities such as concrete plants, block plants, asphalt plants, um, the commercial aspects and also administration. I was even given the task of debt collecting at 7 o'clock one morning. Anyway, by this stage, I was fully equipped and ready and raring to go. 
in my first appointment as assistant quarry manager at Haleycombe Quarry in the Mendham Hills in Somerset. Now, this should have been the start of a long-term career with the company who Art Oil had trained me. However, a bigger and without doubt a patriotic opportunity was to present itself. Now, at the time, I was lodging with my good friend and fellow DDQ student, Andrew Helmore, who had been asked to go to the Falkland Islands as part of the Lang Maulam ARC, or LMA, consortium to build Fortress Falklands, basically a complete infrastructure rebuild following its destruction during the Falklands War between Argentina and the United Kingdom in 1982. Six weeks later, I'd flown from Bryce Norton to Johannesburg, then on to Cape Town, finally on the illustrious tub of an ex-North Sea ferry seconded by the military, sailing from Cape Town to East Cove on the Falklands. The Falkland Islands was 14 months of life experiences, surviving in a remote environment, salvaging, pinching from other sections and generally ensuring you obtained all the required resources by any means to ensure you achieved your targets within the timescale. I think they're called KPIs today. The night raiding parties were a thing to behold. Establishing efficient quarry faces quickly necessitated unconventional methods of using drill rigs that had to be winched up rocky outcrops, blasting that lit the sky and a mobile plant that was just too undersized for what we were tackling. However, we got the job done. Having gained such a broad range of experiences in a relatively short period of time, I returned to the UK to my first quarry manager position with Tarmac at Tenderley Quarry near Cockermouth in Cumbria at the ripe old age of 24. That was also a momentous year as I married the woman who has supported my every move to this day and provided us two wonderful boys. Now, after two years in this beautiful part of the English country, Tarmac decided to sell Tendley to a joint venture, at which point I decided to head south to be closer to my wife and her family, where she was happier to start our family. I was appointed into a variety of management roles in a variety of quarried materials, including opening a green field site, which, as we know, does not happen very often in quarrying today. Relative stability came with my new employer uh, for the next 25 years, uh, RMC, before they too were bought out, this time by a company called Semex. I was proud to have been involved in the early investigation work and public liaison and roadshows that enabled the granting of planning for the first hard rock quarry in the last 50 years, Freeman's Quarry near Bristol, cutting the access road, creating faces, and then running and developing it for over 15 years. There were so many aspects associated with opening Freeman's Quarry that gained accolades and industry recognition, such as the relocation of hedgerows, the protection and relocation of dormice, badgers, and great crested newts. My enthusiasm has only grown for the industry and the role I have within it. 
Now, life has not always been rosy, and it has mainly been a prompt from family or good friends who pointed out that I should not be tolerating certain, certain situations that I did out of love for the job or some misplaced sense of loyalty. It has not been easy, and as I was in no way the industry stereotypical or even perceived as hard-nosed enough, but I persevered with fairness, honesty and decency so as to win respect and have been a successful quarry manager for over 36 years. For the last five years, I've been operating freelance, having set up as an independent, offering quarry management services to the majors and independent companies alike. I have been a member of the Institute of Quarrying since my student days at High Melton, uh, a long-time committee member, having served as chair of the West of England branch. I am now branch secretary and an honorary fellow. So here I am. 40 years after first being bitten by quarrying, and I still have the bug. Wow, quite a story, Rod, uh, and obviously very exciting, the, the time you spent uh, on the Falkland Islands, and as you say, a very patriotic um, initiative indeed, and one that you must be very proud of. Well, I hope you've enjoyed um, and, and gained some insights and added value from Rod along with our, our previous eight contributors. Uh, and as always, many thanks for taking the time to listen. Uh, our 10th and, and final story in the series will be from Stuart, who uh, lives in Kent, and that will follow shortly. Should you or someone you know be showing signs of anxiety, then please do contact the following organisations, or at least uh, visit their websites. The Black Dog Institute, Beyond Blue, Gotcha for Life, Lifeline, Sane Australia, Are You OK? or Headspace. And until next time, do stay mentally well. All the best, Charles at the GHFC.